Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, State Farm, and WeatherTech. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, Brian Robinson. Hello and welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 170, believe it or not. And joining us this week is iRoad Test producer Ben Davis. Hey guys. Online content coordinator Greg Carlos. That's me. Uh, via phone from the great state of Florida, Lauren Morrison, FYI reporter. Hello. And our video producer slash editor slash producer Joe Lago. Thanks. Who has many fans out there, I'm sure. Sure. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, at MWJoLago. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so this uh, podcast, well, the usual uh, look at some road test cars, as well as a lightning round, and a viewer question, and maybe even a rant and rave. <laughs> Help yourself, NED. <laughs> all right, moving on. Our first car uh, that we've uh, tested recently is the Kia Stinger. <laughs> awesome. Stinger, not Stinker. Stinger. All right. Who <laughs> wants to uh, get us started on that one? Anybody? I was pretty impressed with it. We had the 3.3 liter twin turbo V6. The GT. The GT, uh, yes. And uh, a lot of people, um, since I'm in charge of our social media, there's been a lot of people who really respond well to the car. And uh, for good reason, it's it's a good looking car from most angles. I can't say from every angle. Um, really shocked with the engine. It's a it's a, it's good. It's torquey and uh, it's the it's same engine. It's in low. Genesis vehicles, right? <clears throat> yeah, I think the G80 now has it, and the, does the G90 get that as well? Yeah, the G. Um... Mm, I don't know. It's a good question. I think that definitely question. the G80. Um, What's the G70 though? Is the Hyundai version of the Kia Stinger, right? The G. There's a new Hyundai coming out that's basically a Hyundai version of the Stinger. But anyway, they're definitely getting their money's worth from the platform. Yeah, Yeah, fast um, and pretty easy to drive fast. And even the the chassis is pretty well sorted out. It can be a little soft at times. And if you're going to compare it right to a German sedan, you're going to be probably a little bit disappointed, especially if you're used to how a German sedan drives. But really not bad, I think, for a first effort from Kia. Solid, for sure. I'd definitely like to get that out on a road course and actually feel what its characteristics are at the limit because it felt great at the track, but, again, there was jersey walls to the left and the right and had a little bit of mild understeer near the limit, uh, but it was quickly overcome by some induced oversteer. But And I think... I could have exploited that a little more, but I was scared that I was going to wreck it. Uh, definitely a car I'd love to get it. out on the track. <laughs> um, I, I, I hear, I, looking at this paper, I got a piece of paper in my head. <laughs> Looks like it starts like a little under forty grand. I was wondering if anybody, I couldn't find the price on the one we tested at all. Does anybody know that info? Um, well, it had all-wheel drive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it was. I think just under fifty, probably. Just under fifty. I think gotcha. that's. You, I don't think you can spend more than fifty. It had that's a launch control too, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, I don't know why, but it it has it. I guess is that just something that sports cars need because now to can. have launch yeah, control? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that but must be like. Yeah. It wasn't an aggressive one by any my, means. My guess is it helped. probably doesn't cost that much extra money to put it in a car. And so. most of these cars, outside of the Hellcats and stuff aren't 
quarter mile strip cars are set up for road tr- use anyway, street or track use. You, you know, were, so. yeah, you were well, talking about road course, and uh, I did some road course at the Hyundai Proving Grounds when I went on an early uh, uh, launch, and it was tell me more, tell me more. Yeah, I would agree with everything you said. I just felt uh, it was very responsive. That was probably the biggest take takeaway I had for the car. And I think the big story is Kia uh, poached uh, BMW M like their main ride and handling engineer from BMW. He's working for Kia in Germany now, uh, doing all the setup nice. in the Nürburgring. So that's why uh, Hyundai and, and Genesis stuff has come a long way on ride and handling uh, recently. So you, you, there is throttle-induced oversteer that you can use pretty easily? In the rear-wheel drive one, for sure. Okay. The one we have is all-wheel drive. Right. Obviously, it becomes a little more difficult. Okay, it's but, also, yeah, yeah. you can turn traction everything completely off too which that's is what I have. not a given these days because yeah. sometimes yeah, some you can turn still... things off and it still shuts you down that's right. true it, it says off but it's not all. actually off right now i would ask about the engine i drove a genesis that had that 3.3 turbo and the genesis was like library quiet inside but then you get on it and it would move was there a little bit of nice engine sound in there or what's what's the without all the luxury accoutrements? i thought so but there's all it's also artificially piped right, in right. and you can control the volume for that too i didn't turn oh, really? all the way off to see how much i was getting force fed but hmm. you know i'm just the kind of guy where everything can be louder and i would make it louder in the aftermarket for sure but it did sound good yeah because there was i was editing a road test for a different luxury brand that had a twin turbo v6 and man it just sounded lame <laughs> doing the zero to 60 times and stuff i won't i won't reveal what it was but it just <laughs> nothing wow so that's why i have to isolate that audio that is an annoying you. exhaust yeah <laughs> that's what it sounds like so i i didn't get to go to the track for the stinger so i'm curious if it sounds a little bit more exciting because that's something some we of have these... to ask ashley did you remember i was in another car how did the stinger sound that ashley's in our audience right now studio audience grab right. the mic uh, oh, here it, we might be, it might not be on either way it's not right. on. Uh, it's not on. We can, talking we can talk. Talking to Ben's mic. There you go. No Ashley Gaither's our new assistant road test. Yeah, producer. welcome to the crew. By the way. You haven't yeah. seen her already in a road test. She's awesome. Hi, hi, audience. Um, <laughs> I, I generally thought that the car sounded okay. I mean, I didn't think that there was anything lacking in the sound. But it's not going to stir do, your soul, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything that I would, you know, be crazy about personally. I think that I need a little bit more like a Porsche to get mm. my engine going than a Kia. So, sorry, Kia. Wow. <laughs> All right, just uh, so any more Kia good test V6 twin turbo. You can get a straight six or a V8. That's where you get the good sound. Hmm. Straight six. Yeah, good sounding mm. V6s are few and far between. That's nothing. That ain't new. Although, Camaro makes a pretty good sounding V6. Camaro. Camaro. America. America. Right. <laughs> Let's move on to the Land Rover Range Rover Velar. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, I guess, fits in midsize. The Range Rover Evoque would be smaller, and the full-size Range Rover uh, would be bigger, right? Yep. All right. So tell us okay. about the Velar, Greg. I thought it was a lot of show. I didn't get to drive it as much as somebody else or other people on the staff, um, but it certainly passes the look test. And then when you get inside, this doesn't happen to me very often, and I am a millennial. I was a little bit intimidated by the amount of tech inside of this wow. Velar. 
I mean, you're hit right in the yeah. face with 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 screens here that are moving out at you, and that's that's even after you get in a car where the uh, door handles come out Tesla style on you. Um, but it's once you get used to it, it's pretty cool. You get over that wow factor. It's just it's still screens as, on screens. As neat as it is, it's like once I, I'd have to wonder what happens <laughs> once you get over that initial wow phase when you own the car. And yeah, amen, Greg. It would take you quite a while to learn all that stuff. And you, you, there is a sense of pride I'd imagine you'd have once you mastered that system. But at what point does that become texting and driving when you're using that stuff? Sure. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. Is it just all touch panel? Is that the deal? No, there, there are. Uh, you There's can control knobs. quite a bit on this well, from the steering wheel menu buttons yeah. regarding the screens that are, show up in your gauge cluster. And you can turn the gauge cluster into an entire screen, much like Audi's can right, do Right, but now, I mean, but... it's got knobs, and the knobs have little digital readouts on the knobs, and then yeah. there's a screen here, yeah, the, and then but there's... There's... You, there's a screen inside the knob, right? Or, like, there, you can push the button on the inside the knob, which then changes it to, say, driving modes, and then you can hit it again, and then it becomes for something completely different. The it, menus are deep. It would be really, really cool if you didn't have to drive at the same time. And the choices are This many. is the perfect autonomous car candidate, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's Definitely. super involving and engaging Just as long as you're itself, parked. Yeah, yeah. While but, you're trying to figure out how to change the radio station? I don't know. Somebody had to have driven it more than me. How did it actually I'll tell drive? you who drove it the most is probably Ashley. All right. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Coming Hold back on. Again. She's coming back. We'll see if it measures up to a Porsche. Um, so my, my complaint about it was probably the the seated heats and the um, <laughs> massaging wow. features that wait, were in it. Um, well, You're this is wait, about a wait, this is my wait, 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 wait. She's been here one week wait. and she's so, complaining about um, heats. I found it very difficult to just switch in between those those functions and let alone turn uh, off the massage as you say nothing freaks feature. you out more when it's like um, the massager's on and you're trying to figure out how to well, get that stuff well, shut off. I mean I I think that either it needed like an interval like amount of time that it needed to be turned on and off or or something that just allowed it to um quickly turn it off because I had a hard time driving and trying to turn it off. So I think that was again, my biggest control. complaint um, Stop about massaging that. me. <laughs> Stop touching me. Abort, abort, abort. I hey mean, now. But I do have to say I did feel um, rather comfortable as soon as I did learn how to control that feature. Um, but, I mean, I thought the ride was generally smooth and um, pretty, pretty decent. I mean, I like the size personally. So. so it was uh, it was large. It's a it's only a f uh, two row though, right? Mm, yeah, I believe so. Um, not sure about that. These are good questions that we uh, should have an answer for. I don't know how you could get a third row yeah. in there. It's pretty small. It's not a Vogue small, but it's. I believe certainly... it was. It definitely. I'm pretty sure it was a two row, but it did have buttons at the back that you could operate the fold and stuff. So, which was uh, kind of cool. In regards to the tech, have we gotten to the point where? There's so much tech that we take away from the luxury experience of a Range Rover, um, or is it still a very luxurious well, experience? Well, I think luxury and tech kind of go together, though, and I think it's yeah. luxurious technology because it's really beautiful looking. I will I say think, that. I think target audience would appreciate the tech, and I think they would appreciate the complexity of the tech and that not everybody can operate it. So I, I think that... Uh, yeah, I just think that yeah, that would it would definitely bond the buyer to the car, learning all that tech and wow. showing it all off 
to whoever got inside. I think that that's exactly what a Land Rover buyer values. Well said. Uh, and this just in, we have a report. <laughs> so um, it it does have five seats, but other than that, I did find the the overall torque and maneuverability on off-roads to be quite enjoyable. I felt the ride very smooth. I mean, especially versus, you know, I mean, it compares to BMW in this fact that the X1 I'm talking about, um, but I'm, I'm just noting that. <laughs> the um, uh, I think, I, I can't remember what podcast this was in, because I probably talk about it every time. So you, you, the Stinger, you can turn everything off. And I thought I had everything turned off, because now I did, I did drive it at the track. I can remember now. And I had I thought I had everything off, but it still shut me down like midway through, which is a shame because it seemed like it could handle more than what it would let me have. It was just always any time it sensed just a little bit of understeer, it would just hit the brakes and then you're done. I remember because I, I threw it through the cones for a copter yeah. at the track. I had it in dynamic mode and I didn't get any kind of uh, uh, mitigation, but... Maybe I only did it one run, and maybe I wasn't pushing it quite as hard. You were in dynamic dynamic without. I was in, yeah, I was dynamic, traction off. Gotcha. All right. (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) Land Rover, Range Rover. So, moving on to something much more interesting, hopefully. Uh, We turn to our FYI reporter, Lauren. And I'm not even sure what you've been up to lately, so why don't you uh, well, fill us I'll, I'll just jump in and tell you right now. So I just did a segment um, in Sacramento, California on this car club. It's a do-it-yourself uh, classic car club. I mean, a lot of times that we were just talk- I was just talking to Joe about, you know, he's looking at houses now and he's, you know, making sure that they have a large enough garage for, you know, his cars that he could work on and stuff. But a lot of times, a lot of cities, if you live in a big city or so you rent an apartment, you don't really have the opportunity have space or even if you live like in a, a homeowners association they don't really like you know jacking up your car on blocks and stuff, working on it in the front yard you know um so this it's usually about club, what i'm wearing that's the problem they yeah. have with me <laughs> yeah. so this car club was you know said hey we we recognize this problem let's rent out this warehouse essentially and kind of um cordon off spots in it and just welcome members and have members come in um they you know Bring your car in to do anything from like an oil change, a tune-up, to a full-off frame-off restoration, um, you know, from the ground up. So, um, it's really cool. I mean, I don't think it's something new where you can rent spots to work on your car. But what I found so interesting about the club was, you know, you're working on your car all the time in your own garage and you run into a problem and you're like, oh, crap, you know, what do I do? Whereas if you're in like a scenario like this, there's always another gearhead bounce ideas off of and you know ask for help hey can i borrow a tool so it's just really interesting to kind of spend the day in this car club dynamic and um just kind of watch them interact with each other and just the camaraderie so it's a pretty interesting piece and uh it's going to be airing this week i think starting so cool check it out it's a good idea always yeah, somebody there sure. to hold your yeah. beer when it's you're almost like here. A, check this out like a social club. <laughs> right yeah it's it's um, I I edited the story. I worked with Lauren on the the edit for it, and I'm yeah, it's cool. You see cars of every shape and size there. I mean, stuff from like stuff that looks like it sat in a junkyard for forty years to brand new, perfect. You know, guys doing mods on new cars, and I definitely think it's something. If the if the price is right, it's something I'd want to join because I know the pain and not having enough space, and it's nice to have somebody older and smarter than you to help you. 
And it was really cool because a lot of times you don't have like every tool that you can ever think of. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of tools that you could either rent or, you know, lift. I mean, you're, you're not going to have a lift in your own home. So just really, you know, things that you might only need once or twice. You're not going to go and buy yourself. So I don't know. It's just a really cool thing, um, a really interesting aspect to a car club. You know, they have monthly meetings and do fundraisers and stuff like that. But I just really thought the whole do-it-yourself concept was a pretty interesting take on a, a classic car club. I have a quick question, Lauren. Not that I promote uh, like operating heavy machinery while under the influence of anything or anything like that, but I do like to enjoy a beer if I'm doing a challenging repair. I was wondering if there was restrictions against that that you were aware of there or anything like that. I, I didn't see any signs. I would I would probably say um, you know they wouldn't encourage being drunk drunk with <laughs> you know. A, a oh, nice nor would I. I was just uh, you know I do like to drink a beer though. I, you know, I don't know what to buy straight on is on membership and working on your car, but I think they I don't think they'd mind if you if you pop the top on one or two. <laughs> it's it's all good until they have to name a role after you, Ben. That's the <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like a beer as red, white, and blue as the AMC I'm working on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, Which yeah, one of you, you is can, Joe? I was gonna say you can you can catch that on Motor Week, like I said, and it it was edited this week, so it'll be on the following show. So and just to reiterate, we don't encourage you consuming any type of alcoholic beverages around any type of vehicle. I was just curious because I know that that goes hand in hand a lot of times. So I'm sure I'm sure that's not a lot. I was just curious, asking a question. That's all. Well, thank you. We look forward to seeing that, Lauren. And feel free to jump in on our lightning round question here. Right, ready for it. All right. About ten years ago, manual shift modes for automatic transmissions began to grow in popularity. Today, almost everything from ex-cono boxes. Sorry, <laughs> that's, that's, oh uh, my God. For prisoners, uh, they have their own special... Uh, e-cono boxes. Oh, my bad. Sorry, oh, that my was bad. a typo All on right. my part. Okay. From, <laughs> e- from e-cono boxes to massive luxury SUVs have either paddle shifters or a plus-minus section on the shift lever. How many people actually use these manual shift modes? And is this once-exclusive feature now a must-have? Who's going first? Uh, why don't you go first, Lauren? Okay, I'll go first. So I always, I was reading this question. I was thinking, you know, I don't think I ever use it, like, in my day-to-day life. I always, when I go on press events, I always, you know, use them just to say I did it, say I, you know, I can review it, whatever. But I don't think I ever use it, like, in my own personal car. I have a Subaru Legacy, and it has, like, the plus and minus. I don't think I've ever used it. And... I don't know. Why would they keep putting them in the cars though if nobody was using them? Like what? I don't. I don't get it. I personally, I don't see what they really do. I don't see. That's I the don't think that. Them, that's but. the bell. If you could hear that on your end, Lauren. But I. <laughs> he's cutting you <laughs> off, Joe. He's, Joe's he's, ruthless. He's by the book today, Lauren. Sorry know, about that. Who's next? I'll go next. All right, Benny D's jumping in. I can imagine the flat terrain like Florida, you would definitely never need to do any plus minus work at all. And paddles itself aren't even necessary, but I would like to see a plus minus uh, available just for hilly terrains. If you're going to be dropping an elevation for a couple of miles, you're going to need to be able to select a, a gear to instead of just tearing your brakes apart it would do, be nice to be able to an, select a lower gear kind of sure that's the only reason you're ever going to need anything like that on a day-to-day basis joe's yeah. always interrupting your 
your uh, sorry i'll shut I'm up i'm not sure if it's a theme or that, what. that okay. one was a help joe, right. you might as well just go right. go ahead joe so yes i'm the producer i wrote this question it's no big mystery i it just hit me the other day i was driving somewhere and i was kind of like tapping my fingers on the paddle shift and i thought i never actually use these unless i'm like bored out of my mind and so then I thought, and I remember reading magazines and stuff from 10 years ago. They would tear cars apart if they didn't have these. Like, well, everything about this car was great, but it didn't have paddle shifters, so we hate it. And it would be like a three-row SUV. So that's what brought the question up for me. I don't think they're necessary except on sportier flavored stuff. Yeah. Sportier flavored. All right. Mm-hmm. What about for the X-Cons? <laughs> the X-Cono boxes. X-Cons should not be put in boxes. That's all I'm saying. Do you have it in sport flavor? Um yeah, I don't use them much, but they're definitely useful being able to shift into a gear that the transmission wouldn't do on its own. If you're driving in the snow, uh, or again, like Ben said, if you're a fan of engine braking, which I am on um, on big hills, it, it is nice to have. I personally just like having that option there, so I'm glad it is there. But um, when you have, like in the Expedition, where you have the option to shift your own gears, but they're buttons behind the shifter, that's kind of weird. To, to me, so uh, I, I, if you're gonna have it, I would like some paddles. Yeah, I think the big thing to keep in mind, a lot, most of them aren't for any sporty purpose. But it, just if you remember old school automatic Prindles, where you'd have park, reverse, neutral drive, low, and then maybe another low or whatever. Now there's so many gears that they can't possibly make the shifters that long. So right, well, you yeah. have to put some kind of plus or minus where if you want to get into a low range. See, uh-huh. I didn't think about that. That's, That's a such one, a Robinson way to think yeah. about it. It's so practical. But yeah, yeah but, you some, can't, but some don't even offer that at all. Some some Prindle cars with no paddles don't go any lower than drive. Or they have an S. They have Prindles some instead have a of Prindle. Some yeah. don't. Some have a sport flavor, and some are, are <laughs> some have cherry flavor. All right, uh, how about you, Ashley, since we introduced you here in this podcast? I mean, personally, I, I've been driving around the BMW X1, and I I enjoy doing the Tektronic. Um, I feel like there's definitely a little bit more give, and it, it definitely feels a little bit more like a manual. Um, but as far as the paddles, I mean, I think, like Greg was saying, I definitely appreciate the more sportier aspect of it, or, you know, like Joe Lago was saying. So um, I just... <laughs> You know, I'm. I guess it depends on when I'm using it. I think is overall. That's sporty flavor. I think we all agree that having some sort of ability to shift is good, though, right? Shifting is good. Even shift if happens. Even if you're <laughs> in an automatic. But then CVTs have it too, which is a whole other thing. All right, and finally, our viewer question from Rick. I currently store my vehicle for several months of the year. It's a conventional gas engine, so I connect a battery maintainer. Well, it's in storage. Very good idea, Rick. I'm considering purchasing a hybrid car or a pure EV, and I'm curious about battery maintenance. What are the effects of long-term storage of a hybrid battery? Anybody have an answer for Rick? Good question, Rick. Well, a lot of hybrids and EVs still have a 12-volt battery for all the in-cabin stuff, so you'll probably still want a battery maintainer on that. Correct. Well, what about the, the big, big battery? The, the important battery. Well, I would imagine it acts like any other battery, right? A lot of them now are we're switching to lithium-ion batteries, and I know a lot of our camera gear and things we use um, are lithium-ion. The big thing with those are like you don't want to run them too low, and you don't want to store them too low, and you don't yeah. want to store them high either. So, 
it's, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the same way with the with the um, car batteries. I'd have to imagine, though, if you are going to store it long term, I'm not sure you want to charge it all the way up and have it sitting on full charge for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I, I don't know if it, anything's changed recently, but I, I was on a Prius event, uh, I don't know, five, six years ago, and I actually brought this question up to them. And uh, their uh, big thing was just to start it every other month, like once every two months. Just let the engine itself charge up the battery. Uh, you definitely don't want to let that main battery uh, go dead. And the other thing they stress, and it says right there in the Prius owner's manual, was not to use a uh, trickle charger because uh, on the main battery, I'm not even sure how that would be possible, but it just takes the uh, charge at such a low amperage that it takes forever for that main battery to charge and it actually overheats. Hmm. Wow. Um, that was my question. So if you could yeah. somehow trickle a plug-in hybrid or a pure EV. They, they, I think some people do sell a trickle charger for the main batteries, but, yeah, it's a much higher amperage. So the, so the secret is just start it up every, cup, every yeah. couple of weeks or whatever. Which, if you can. Well, what if you can? Yeah, I was going to say, right. what if you're in a storage It may, may not be or, practical, correct. <clears throat> well, to take a leaf out of Pat Goss's book, I'd say read oh, your owner's manual. I mean, surely yeah. surely I there's think, well, an official – yeah. surely in there there is some kind of official or talk correct, to a but he's dealer. he's just thinking about whether he wants yeah. to buy one well, or yeah, not. Well, yeah, I think, the, I think you just got to remember it's still a battery. It's not like right. it's a completely different entity. It's still a battery and has rules. Wow. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Everybody right? just shut up yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how, anyone have a rant or rave? I want to rant about Joe interrupting Ben uh, <laughs> every every single. Why don't you uh, produce your own podcast? What is it about that? Man, wow. really? Joe, easy, easy. It's been uh, nice, guys. I only nice noticed guys. it on that one when I w- was all fired up. I didn't didn't notice it ever. I've actually got nothing. Well, Joe, got anything? Ashley, you got something? Trying to think of a, a anything from the Florida what office. Do you hate more than no, another? I'm pretty calm over here. No rants, no raves. Well, you know, there's we're allowed to rave too. It doesn't just have to be things we hate. Yeah, but everybody loves, just look raving. at the internet. Yeah. Everything likes to. Everybody likes to hate. I will say, I really wish Range Rover would have named the Velar the Velour, and you could have got like a crushed Velour interior in it, like 1980s wow. style. Oh wow! Do you know I'm, what the word, the name Velar comes from? No, I don't. It goes way back to before Range Rover existed. That was the original Land Rover. Uh, the name of the concept that Land Rover created that went on to become the Range Rover brand. It was called the Velar? Yes. See, I'm very uncultured, but their website does call it the avant-garde Range Rover, so that would make sense. (laughs) Wow. You know where the word javelin came Uh, from? And on that note. (laughs) Where? Where did it come from? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, oh, Ashley, we have more breaking news from Ashley. Um, So, I... I need to note about the Land Rover Velar, um, just because I did do a little bit of driving with it. Um, I really enjoyed and didn't enjoy the fact that um, the parts of the engine, so like it could definitely, when when not the parts of the engine, but the actual say, functionality. No, no, the, the, no the, the functionality of it, um, depending upon where I was driving, it would it would sense it. So um, I would be just in like eco mode and I would go onto the rocks and stuff, different rocky areas, and it picked that up right away. So I thought that that was kind of really interesting. What do you and mean? Like, like the, terrain the detection? Yeah, the, the, hmm. the terrain. So it would auto detect whatever kind of terrain you were on. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. 
So I thought that was kind of cool. So yeah, that was my little note. We'll call that a rave. Yeah, we'll call that a rave. She raved. Very good. I got nothing. All All right, right. well, we'll wrap this up then. Thanks for joining us, Lauren. No problem. Thank you, Lauren. See you, Lauren. And we'll thank uh, David Wainwright, our audio engineer, podcast creator Bob Mixter, and, of course, uh, excellently produced by Joe Ligo. Thanks. And if you were a driver's seat, you would be a seated heat. There we go. <laughs> so uh, let's wrap it up. And just remind everyone, uh, be sure to tune in wherever you can watch us and uh, keep an eye on us on the internets. And uh, thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com, State Farm, and WeatherTech. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.